Good morning, everybody. Hey, we've talked about what we're doing as, at church as being on a road trip together. We are going somewhere together, and periodically we stop every once in a while, and we mark landmarks. And landmarks are significant points where we stop. We all get out of the car. We take a photo of that moment. We want to remember that, and then we keep going. And so we do that for baptism. We do that for child dedication. We do that for what we call heartbreak survivor We do it for a number of different places, but today we have a special landmark. We call this one the blessing of the bags. And so we ask all of our kids, if you were here, that you brought your bag with you, or if you were somebody who has worked, we've already got some bags up here. And we use this as a time to mark the beginning of a new season. So if you are a kid, or if you brought your bag, come on, let's bring those bags up right now. line them up. Yeah, that's fine. Put them down here, and we got some new bag tags for you. So if you want to, can you hand those out to everyone who's got them here who wants them? Yeah. We've got our different bag tags so we can mark our bags as well. And the, the great thing about this is if you brought your bag or purse, your work bag, your guitar, your lunch bag, whatever bag you've got, we mark them. And if you didn't bring a bag, you can take one of our tags as a reminder to pray. So we're going to pray for our students today. We're going to pray for our teachers today. We're going to pray for all of us who who mark September as the start to something new. We kind of mark it around the school calendar because, frankly, that has a bigger impact than what January does for us quite often. So we have some tags for you as well. If you want to pass these out to anybody who wants them out here, that would be great. And you can use this as a reminder to pray throughout the year for our students, for our school, but for all of us that we would um, remember as we go forward that God goes forward with us and that we don't go forward alone. So we want to mark this time as significant. So you got those tags. If you're interested, please, by all means, help yourself to one of them. Use them as a reminder, please, to pray. We want to engage you in prayer because it affects our faith. It affects the way that we can interact with God. But it's part of what we do as a community. And as a community, as a family, we care for each other. And if you're like me, you forget stuff all the time. So you need little reminders that can just trigger you. Oh, right. I'm supposed to pray when I have one of these. So as those are going out, we're just going to pray now uh, for our students, for our teachers, for the, the change of this season. Okay? So pray with me, if you will. Kind Father, we thank you so much for your promise to never leave us or forsake us. So if we're going to school and we're feeling nervous because we're at a new school, or we're feeling nervous because we're in a new grade, or we're feeling nervous because we're not in any grade at all anymore and we're done school, or maybe we're starting a new job, or maybe we have new teaching responsibilities, or we're just trying to mark this season as important. God, we pray that you would be with us to give us courage, that we would be able to go forth with boldness, that we would be able to trust that you will be there with us. God, I ask that you would, you would bless these bags. These bags are markers of what we do and how we spend our time. And we believe that our connection to you is not a Sunday morning kind of in this building connection. It's an everyday, every way, wherever we are kind of connection. So bless these bags, but bless the bag carriers wherever they go, that they would know that you are with them and that you have called them into partnership to work with you to spread good news of hope, of kindness, of love, 
and of salvation. For our teachers, God, we pray blessing upon them that they would be able to teach well. That they would be able to teach wisely. That they would not grow frustrated with the stuff that would frustrate the rest of us. We pray for patience for them. We pray for a love that's not of, them, of, some, not of themselves. It's beyond them. We pray for us as parents that, uh, God, please give us understanding for the kind of temptations our kids are going to be in. A compassion for them in these challenging times. We ask that you would give us wisdom on how to love well, how to help move forward well, and to how to show grace well. We want to mark this season, this moment, this time, by saying that you are first, you are most important in all that we do. Hear us, we pray. Have mercy on us, we pray. All these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Graham. I'm a pastor here. Um, I'm not the only pastor here. I'm just the one who gets to stand up the most. There's pastoral people that are all around us, and uh, they help in the whole ministry that we try to have here. I'm glad you're here. If you're visiting with us today, boy, I'd just like to ask you, if you wouldn't mind, if you got one of the handouts when you came in, just rip off that, that corner section. And, um, let us know that you are here. Give us a chance to say thanks for that and give you a gift and um, just to, to enjoy our, our communion together, that would be great. And if you're someone who's more regularly here and you have something that you would like to, to comment on or you have a question or you'd like someone to interact with you, the other side of that is the communication card. And the communication card, you just write down what you would like. And we're just going to put it in the, the white box at the back of the room, our communication box. It's the same place you can put your offering. So if, if you want to participate with that, there's offering envelopes at the back. Um, and so make sure you get charitably receipted. We also have this option, if uh, you have a, a smartphone with you, you can use the free app called Uversion to follow along with what we're going to do. Inside you're going to find all of the announcements, uh, the sermon notes that are coming up, and a chance, um, also a link to help you give online if you would like to do that. You go to Uversion, the bottom right corner, click More, then Events, and then search into One Community Church, it will come up, and you can follow along with everything that's going on there. And again, if you wanted to give online, you can do that through intoone.ca. Just wanted to tell you a quick story. There's a, a lot of TV shows around that, uh, that speak about um, valuable antiques or, or things from the past, a fascination with things and the, the buried treasure kind of idea. And there's an antique road show, or there's pawn stars. There's a number of shows like that where people are trying to find good things from the past. And there's a story of this man named Dave, uh, Doug, Doug Tully. And uh, he might have gone just a little bit too far with this whole fascination with things from the past. About $2.4 million too far. Doug has spent most of his life um, taking old things and, and making them new, uh, restoring them, bringing them back. And so he's done that with things and, and furniture, but also with houses. And this one story, he's taken a house he took a house, and, he, and it was a restoration, but it was a move as well. So he sort of rebuilt the house, picked it up, and moved it uh, across states to start to rebuild it in Gillington, New Hampshire. And he wanted this spot because it was beautiful, and it was uh, a view of the mountains, and it was, it was a beautiful kind of thing. And he was rebuilding it, so he puts into it all these uh, new contemporary appliances, and he puts a, a new HVAC system in that's good, so it's got air conditioning and, and uh, modern stuff like that. 
But then the furniture, the, de- the decor, everything around it, he tries to make as authentic as possible. So much so that he says, well, I can't use these other windows. They have to be authentic because the window things are different. So they're all custom made. And they had to buy a special kind of glass to make it like that older kind of glass, kind of wavy and stuff. And, and, and as he was doing this, this incredibly arduous process, he gets to the end and realizes This thing has gone so far beyond what he meant for it to do. He got so caught up in buying stuff for that thing that he's in a huge, huge amount of debt for a house that's not going to be anywhere near the value of what he's put into it. And the reason I'm telling you this story is because it's not difficult for us to get caught up with in where we want to do stuff with our money. We can buy things all the time and you get caught up you get wound up on these new things, and I've got to get that, and I've got to try this one. And we find that at the end, we haven't really invested in anything. We've just spent on things. So I wanted to tie that into the idea that we as a church right now are doing some spending, and we're doing some renovation, just like Doug, or not just like Doug. Uh, we're not moving the building, and we're not spending $2.4 million on it, but we've got As you know, we're going to do some new roof, and we've got eaves troughs that's coming in, and we're doing stuff with our windows, and the brickwork has to be adjusted. We want you to know that as we're doing that, we are not just spending like crazy people, all right? We are taking very careful thought. We've taken a number of bids on things so that you can uh, trust that as we're doing this, we are trying to do it as economically as possible, but we're investing. It sounds like we're investing in the building, but that's not really what we're doing. We're investing in this as a place to be our home base, our base camp for ministry. So everything else that we do, not that it's all going to happen here, but that we have a good base camp to go from. And so I want to encourage you. you. You need to buy things for yourself, and I get that. That's totally okay. We're also asking that you consider investing in the work that we're doing here, investing in the future. And so when I look out and I consider what we're doing right now, I see you as future changers. You are part of what we are going to tag as our hashtag, you're part of this Main Street revival that we are trying to help bring something back to life in Stouffville. We do this in partnership with other churches. We're not in competition, but together we want to raise the profile of Jesus in this community. And so we are appreciating everything that you've done to participate in that with us. Um, Today we're going to start a a new series. It's just two weeks, so it's nice and short, and it's called To Gather. As we do that, as we get started, let's just take a moment and, uh, and pray. Kind Father, thanks again for your presence with us. And, and today I ask, like I, I have asked before, God, I ask right now that you would speak to me and that you would continue to speak to my mind, that you might also speak through me and that the words that these folks are going to hear um, as we bring the scriptures um, in front of them, uh, God, I pray that you would speak to each of these. To my friends that are here, God, speak to them that you might also speak through them later on. That we are in partnership with you making a difference in this world. Don't let us waste this time. Connect with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. we're going to start and we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 14. So if you, if you have a, an old school Bible, a good solid paper Bible, you can flip there. If you want to follow along in the notes, again, they're in the, the handouts that you were given. We're going to throw stuff up on the screens as well. Or you can follow along in version. But as I tell you to go to 1 Samuel 14, I'm going to go to Matthew 18. Just to mess with you a little bit. 
And I want to tell you something that Jesus said, and he brought this forward for us. And it's something that uh, we've heard a hundred times, but this is sort of a base from where we're working from. It's for where two or three gather as my followers, I am there among them. Wherever two or three gather, where they gather to gather, when they come together, they come in his name. He is in the midst of them. And now that brings up a question sort of right away that's, well, if it's two or three that God is there, does he not show up when it's just me by myself? Am I always sort of alone? And of course, that's not the point of what it is. It's not there. You're not by yourself. God has promised. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. But Scripture does talk over and over and over and over again about the power and the special presence of God that is with us as we gather as a community of believers. There is something powerful about the agreement of Christians who come together in biblical community. And today, here's the big reveal. There's no secret. I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm trying to do. I want to talk to you today about the importance, the significance of biblical relationships, specifically those relationships as they work in a small group, a connection point. And this is a small group that we would call a smaller group of people who commit to do life together. And they do it centered around God's Word. They, they pray for one another. They support one another as we try and face this life and whatever comes with us. We don't try to do these things alone. The problem, the problem for so many people is the, the one thing that they are missing, that one little thing. Life seems to be going, but they, they're missing that one little thing. Go ahead. Ask me, what's that one thing? Thanks for asking. It's a really good question. I'm glad you brought it up. That one thing that we're missing, the right relationships. You stop and think about what that means for you as you've gone along and you know where some of these things have come up. You'll never do all that God wants you to do without the right people around you. Isn't it enough just to have God? Like if I'm just with God, can't that be enough? That's a... For us, that's, that's part of the relationship. But God has always, He's shown us throughout Scripture, if you go from the very beginning to the very end, you'll see that God has used God's people to bring about God's purposes. His plan has always been for us to be in partnership with Him. We work together. He won't just make things happen. He makes them happen through people. When we make good choices, when we are wise... He shows up. There is power in the family of God. And from, from the beginning to the end, if we went to Genesis, go right to the beginning of Genesis in chapter 2. Adam's there all by himself and God says, it's not good that man's alone, so he creates Eve. And along comes Eve, and Eve is part of the story now. And if you follow along, the wisest man that ever lived, we get to Solomon, in one of the books that he wrote trying to express this um, development of knowledge that he was going through, his wisdom. It's a, the book called Ecclesiastes. He said, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If, one of them, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And it goes on. The Apostle Paul would be doing that. He, he tells the story farther and his idea is not just, what's it like when you're around good people? He's saying, 
What's it like when you're around the wrong people? And so in 1 Corinthians, he says, don't be misled. Bad company or the wrong people corrupts good character. Now you take a moment and you think for a second about the dominant voices in your life. Who were those five most dominant voices? The five closest friends that you have. Who is it that you spend the most time with? If you want to have a gauge, a scale for what the potential of your life looks like, look at the relationships that are around you. They will show you the trajectory of your life. Take any, of your, any area of your life. And so say it's, it's your work, where you are. And you're, you imagine you work, and this is pretty rare, I'd understand, that you get to work with your five closest buddies. And those five buddies, they all hate their job. They hate the company. They hate the boss. They don't like this. They don't like that. Nothing's fair. I can't get ahead. Guess what? You've got a ceiling to your professional career because you've got a bad attitude. And it surrounds you. It's very difficult to break free from. You're not going anywhere because of what's there. Now, on the other hand, imagine those five friends that you work with. And you say, I believe we can make a difference. I believe that if we work hard, we can do something. I believe if we respect our boss and we respect where we are and we work at whatever we do as if we're working for God, well, I can tell you that those people are absolutely promotable. It, it, it doesn't make it guaranteed that it will happen or that the company suddenly becomes good if it's bad, but what's around you is not holding you back in that way. Imagine it's marriage. And let's just say you're married and your five closest married friends, they've got messed up marriages. All the guys are going out because every night is boys' night and they're at the bar as much as they can be and they're going around, they're messing with as many girls as they can get their hands on and, and all the women get together and they just disrespect their husbands and they, they say, oh, I don't like him and blah, blah, blah and he's never been a nah, nah, nah and why won't he blah, blah, blah and guess what? The chance of a good marriage just plummeted. It's very, very small. On the other hand, imagine you're with five married couples who have committed themselves to love God and to love each other. And you see those men who will give up and they will sacrifice for their wife like Christ sacrifices for the church. And you see those wives, they come along, each, along beside each other and they push each other forward and they say, Man, we're called to greatness. And they tell their husband, we are called to this thing. We're going somewhere. I believe in you. I believe in where we can go. And we have a vision for our marriage. And guess what? Those friends, those voices that you're listening to, they speak life into you. Vibrancy. Why does it matter? It matters because whenever two or three gather in his name, there he is among them. Because when the right people gather together for the right reasons, God is there and the right things happen. So those that you are delighted to be around, those people that you just, I love being around them, they're connected with you. It's a heart and soul kind of connection. And when you're around them, they inflame your spiritual relationship. It doesn't just um, seem like work, it just sort of happens. And I'm going to tell you a story that helps to display this. And so first I want to give you the context, okay? So this story starts, um, three main players in the story. King Saul, but honestly, King Saul, he, he's off stage the whole time, but he's a character in the story. 
Then there's his son. His son's name is Jonathan. And then there's the guy who throughout history is known as the armor bearer. Honestly, it's not the best name you could ever have, but that's what he's known as. That's what he did. And so right now, the Israelites, they're being oppressed. They're, they're being whooped, whooped up on by the Philistines. The Philistines is a surrounding country, and they are tormenting them. And to help you get the feel for this, I want you to understand that in this story, we're saying the Philistines are the bad guys. So whenever I say Philistines, I want you to say boo. All right? So let's just try. Philistines? All right, good. They're the bad guys. The Israelites, they're hiding underground in caves. They're scared to death of the Philistines. One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, there he is, the armor bearer, come, let us go to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. That's interesting. Just notice, the Bible sometimes says things very, in passing, that are significant. Why does he not tell his father? Well, honestly, if you know the story, if you know what happens around it, they've got a tremendously fractured relationship. Some of you, you've had a relationship like with someone like this in your life. In the current age, we would call somebody like King Saul, we would call him absentee father. They're, they're physically and emotionally distant. He should have been one of the dominant voices in Jonathan's life, but he wasn't. Some of you, honestly, you've had a dad like that. And that physically distant part could have been that he was killed or he died early on as you were growing up and you grew up without a dad at all. Or maybe for some of you, it was more like he was there, but he wasn't there for you. He, he, he wasn't available emotionally. And it was like it was actually working against you. His presence wasn't calling you forward. Maybe it wasn't your dad. Maybe it was your mom. Maybe it was a close friend. Or maybe it's been more recently in life and it's, it's been a spouse. Um, there was someone who should have had a supporting role in your life. They should have had a significant way to call you forward and to inflame those spiritual relationships. But they didn't. And they weren't. And you missed out on something significant. The other part of this passage, it starts it right off. The Bible says, one day. Right? And you just sort of mark that as setting the story up. But one day. One day everything changed. One day Jonathan said, you know what? It might as well be today. I'm sick of where I am. I'm sick of being afraid. I'm sick of hiding. I'm sick of all these things. And one day, I've had enough. I've got to do something about these Philistines. I'm not going to stick where I am. I'm not going to just stay here. And for some of you, you might have come to the place when we're at the start of what we would mark as a new year. Maybe this is the time for you to say, I've had enough. I'm done. Something's got to change. I've got to be different. I'm going to go out and I'm going to intentionally seek the right relationships. Because let's be honest, the right relationships rarely just happen by accident. They're going to take investment it's going to take sacrifice. It will take time. It's going to take some vulnerability. And it's going to take your ongoing commitment. But when the right people gather for the right reasons, God is there. And the right things happen. 
And the right people help us. They help us to navigate obstacles. They help us to navigate through temptations. In 1 Samuel 14, we're going to go to verse 4. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistines, <laughs> each time he was trying to get there to get to that outpost, there was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sana. So if you're a note taker and you like to do this sort of thing, take out your pen right now and you circle the word Bozes because that means slippery. So you write that word in because there was a reason that that name is there. And Sena means thorny. So when they put these words in, they're significant. The reasons why those cliffs are known as those things is they're trouble. They're obstacles. It's interesting that when you desire to please God on that journey that we are on to grow closer to Him, that it's frequent that we must navigate slippery slopes like temptation. Or we have to somehow get through thorny obstacles that come up from our spiritual enemy. And you think about this. If, if you don't have the right people in your life as you're moving forward to what God wants, I promise you, if you're on your own, you will be so easily tripped up by temptation. You get proud or you get greedy. You're doing a business deal and you can make a little bit more on this and then you end up doing something stupid. Or you're out and you see someone and it's not your spouse and you have that attraction that just seems to arrive. It comes. And then you let it come a little bit more. And when the right people are around you, they can speak into your life. And you've already established a relationship so you can listen to what they have to say. And you can accept some of that correction. You can accept some of their encouragement. They can kick your butt when you need your butt to get kicked. But when you don't have the right people there, it's really easy to lose ground on the slippery slope of temptation because you're just by yourself. The same is true of obstacles. You run into a challenge. Sometimes you just think, oh, I just so wish there was someone who could help me. I don't know what to do. I've never been here before. I've never had to do this. I've never made these decisions before. And I can guarantee that even as you took a, take a second, you look around that in this room, there are people who are surrounded by people but they're in a place where they just need some help. And they might be hurting. And even though they've got people all around them, they still feel, maybe you still feel incredibly lonely. And you keep thinking to yourself, I just wish someone cared. I wish someone knew. I'd give anything just to be able to cry with someone or to know that someone was listening. What's missing? You're missing the right people in your life because the right people will help you navigate through those times. We have one of these little cards. We have it at the back. You can find it. You can see it on the, the literature rack, the propaganda rack that we have out at the front. And Get this, it's got this on the other side. And on the back of this, if you've seen it, uh, we have our road trip 
here, but we've described on here what part of our plan is. And part of our plan is what we describe as the five faith catalysts. As a church, our goal is to help your faith grow. That together, we would be in earnest pursuit of Jesus and we would spur each other on. And these are five things that we're going to do. And so this um, notion of being in that dark place where things are going wrong, that you just wish there was someone else, we call that maybe a pivotal circumstance. And that pivotal circumstance, you need someone to come alongside you, a translator who can remind you to help you to see things beyond just the way you see them. They help you to not be blinded by the thing that you're in. And those translators, they might very well be what we've called a providential relationship. A right person at the right time says the right thing. And that might be you. You might be that providential relationship to somewhere else where we, we stay ready so that we can hear from God. One of the ways that we stay ready is that we are involved in personal ministry. It is our choice, our ongoing choice to serve, to give, to interact with people. And as we're doing that, frequently these relationships come our way. And as we serve and as we give of our time and our treasure and our talent, we understand that to keep sharp, we need to be engaging regularly in private disciplines, private ways that we are in earnest pursuit of Jesus. And giving is one of those things. And, and reading and praying some of those things. And maybe fasting. Those kind of things that help us to pursue God. Reading the right stuff. Engaging your mind in serious thought. And one of the ways that we help to do that is we gather together as a larger gathering. And we have together what we try to make sure week after week is practical teaching. Not just theory. Not just information, but something that we might be able to live out because the purposes and plans of God are to be lived out and not considered. We consider them, that's the start, but they only exist when we live them out. So your call is to be the church outside of this building and outside of these walls, to be inflamed by the spiritual relationship that you have with Jesus. We are about wisdom being lived out. And that's our faith development plan of action. That's our strategy as we go forward. So here's a question for you. We're at the start of this new season. Where are you right now? Is your faith developing? Stagnating? Or fading? Are you engaging? Do you have a way? Do you know how to engage? Here's a hurtful one. Do you make a difference? You can. Are you hoping that someone will be a difference maker in you? Who's that person going to be? You're hoping they just show up? The second thing, the right people help us to overcome a wavering faith. Have you ever sensed this? You have your days and you go, I'm on today. I'm, a, I'm connecting. I, I'm full of faith. You're, you're a Christian and you feel like, man, my faith is strong today. And then the next day comes, you go, I don't know where it went. The faith isn't quite so strong. How many of you say, that's me? I have my high faith days, my low faith days. 
Because it's just my confession? Because that's the way I am too. It seems like some days it's all together and I'm going fine. And other days, I doubt everything. This is sort of where Jonathan is. So let's jump where Jonathan is in verse 6. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come, let's go over to that outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. I don't normally talk like that, but Jonathan talks like that, and that's fine. So what he's saying is, let's go, let's attack. And then he says, what's the next word? What's the, say it out loud. What's the next word? Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. I'm not quite sure. Perhaps. Because nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. What do you see? You see this faith. Let's go. Let's, today's the day. Let's make a difference. Let's go attack them. I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of being scared. Let's go. The hope. You see faith and you see uncertainty. <laughs> and I don't like to tell you this sort of stuff, but it's the truth. This is the way I am all the time. I'll, I'll come home and I'll have this thought and go, God is leading us to do this, I think. God has prompted me to do this. I hope. And every now and again, you, you just need that right person around you to help you, to nudge you, to help you go forward so that your faith can fully click in. And then you can do what God has put on your heart to do. There was kind of a, a challenging time I had in my life. It's a couple of years ago now, thank goodness. But I was thinking and I was feeling really bummed out. Um, are we really supposed to do this? Um, for, for those of you who have never been involved in planting a church, it's hard. It's discouraging some days, some weeks, some months. Um, are we really supposed to do this? And I, and I can remember stories of what, what God had done to start this, this, this thing in motion, but I'm forgetful. I need to be reminded. And so I'm saying, God... If you really are here and you're really supporting this idea that, like, not somebody else, you want me to do this, God, I need you to show me again that you're going to provide for me. And this was a February, because it's already a bad month, right? I'm sorry if it's your birthday month, but February's a hard month. And the bills had come in, and there's no church money to pay. The account was empty, and the bank called me on a Tuesday morning, and they said, you're overdrawn. We have two checks that are sitting here that just cashed today, and you don't have the money for them. And if you come in right now before 9.30 and you pay with cash, we won't penalize you. And I know to myself, I know there's other checks that have been mailed that they're still going out. And so I, came, I went to the bank, and I took money out of my account, and I paid the cash and I paid the bill, knowing that as I do that, I'm not going to be able to cash my check, and that is money out for me. And you might think that I'm a millionaire, but I'm not a millionaire. Um, and then after that, the same day, I, I told this to a couple of people, and I went out to lunch with a guy. We kind of talked over the story, and I said, this is the way I'm kind of feeling, and ah, I don't know. And he said, well then, I guess that's it then, right? Would you like me to help you figure out how to close the church? And it doesn't sound like a funny moment, but that was a funny moment. 
Because that's exactly what I'd been thinking about and playing with in my head. What do I do? Where do we go? But then he said it out loud. And now it's out there. It's in the room. It's not just a thought. It's a question. What am I going to do with this thought? And as I pondered in that moment, I'm telling you, the weirdest thing happened. It, it's like it got highlighted with a little line that came up to it to describe what it was. And at that moment, that just became the most ludicrous thought. Quit? Now? Of course not. No quitting. Now, I want to see what God does. How is he going to show up? And frankly, I didn't care for this fellow's attitude. But at that moment, I had a burst of faith. Bloop, a gift. It just blossomed, and nothing had changed yet. There was no difference. And then nothing changed on Wednesday. <laughs> and nothing changed on Thursday. Nothing changed Friday morning. But Friday afternoon, I was going to the bus, and I stopped at the mailbox on my way to pick up my kids from the bus. And in there, between the pizza ads and the real estate ads, I found mail, real mail. And it was from this guy. And I was not suspecting this at all. Someone who I would describe as having treated me unkindly and unwisely in the not-too-distant past. I wasn't expecting communication kind of of any kind. And I opened the envelope and I saw in it a letter and a check. And I pulled the letter out and read it first. And it was kind of an apology. More information had come out. And for this thing that had happened previously, he was asking my forgiveness. He got a greater understanding and he said, I'm sorry for the way I misjudged you. I, I, I attach that to your character as well. And so there's a sincere apology. And then there, there was compliments to me and to my character. And he said that after having been hearing what people have been saying about what I'm doing and what we're doing, and, and I've spoken to some people who have been personally involved, I want you to know that I really value what you have done in the lives of these people that I care about. And I want to support you. And I want to encourage you. And then he dropped the line that if you've been around for a while, you know that this line for me comes up all the time, and I don't want to describe it as just a line because it's a significant point, but it was, don't give up. And it hit. This thing that I tell other people all the time, it hit. And then I looked at the check. And then I flicked the screen, and I lost my place entirely. <laughs> the check was for the single largest amount that we had ever been gifted. It was enough to pay all the bills that I had just paid on Tuesday. It was enough to pay all the checks that I knew were in the mail and hadn't arrived yet. And it was enough for me to cash my check. All that was put in motion before I knew of my crisis. It was all happening. It was all going on in my faith swelled again and my trust in God expanded and, I, and it helped me to get to the place where I'm even more committed to helping you grow in your faith as well. Knowledge helps, but knowledge helps if it informs your faith. Our goal is that your trust, 
your faith in God would grow and you would be able to believe that He can do in and through you things that you don't now see as possible or likely. But He works and He works through us. And I had a meeting. I had a meeting with the wrong kind of person. And in that meeting, that wrong kind of person could have dragged me down and finished it. We could have shut the whole thing down. What would it have been like at that same moment if I had met with the right person? And I would be meeting with that right person again. Those right people are with you. They're with you heart and soul. We're not talking about your Facebook friend. and We're not talking about that guy who says, hey, I follow you on Twitter. I'm in it for 140 characters of love at a time. I'm talking about people who are actually there in your life. They know what's happening. Heart and soul, every bit of it. And this is where the armor bearer, he comes back and love the mindset, okay? Jonathan's like, okay, let's go do it, uh, but I'm afraid. I don't know if we can. I'm not sure. I'm sure we can. I don't know, maybe. And the armor bearer, that's all he's known as, says, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. Whatever God puts on your heart, I'm going to be there for you. I'm not leaving you. I'm not here for a while and then gone when it gets bumpy. I'm here with you from the deepest places in my heart. I'm in. I'm heart and soul with you. And when you're afraid, I'll stand by you. When you're stupid, I'll correct you. When you speak and you believe that God has has spoken to you, I will confirm it for you. When you don't know what to do, I'll be a sounding board for you. When you're praying, I'm going to pray with you. Because I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but when I'm praying and I want to pray for a miracle, I want to pray for something amazing, I don't want to pray alone. I want some heart and soul prayer warriors with me, locked arms, and we are shaking heaven with the prayers. with the prayers of our combined faith. Because there's something about agreement that touches the heart of God. And when we're in partnership with Him, it touches us as well. And when two or three gather together in His name, this is what is being unleashed. This is what's possible. We are not discussing the potential of a program. We're discussing the potential of a connection a connection to God. I want it for you. I want it for me so that when you go through tragedy in your life, and if you haven't, at some point you're going to, you know that you're going to need somebody beside you, somebody heart and soul connected to you so that maybe when your teenage daughter comes home pregnant or your kids are hooked on drugs and you don't want some religious church person being judgmental and holier than thou coming down on you and saying stuff like, well, if you had been a better parent, there must be sin in your life. I always knew you weren't. What you need is someone who says, heart and soul, baby, 
I'm locking up with you. I'm standing by you. We're not done. We're going to connect. And we're going to engage. And we're going to pray this thing through. We're going to pull somebody else in and we're going to get godly counsel. And we're going to see God take what the enemy meant for evil and use it for good. And if you're married one day and your marriage gets on shaky ground and you don't need her taking sides with the wife and and him taking sides with the husband and driving the marriage farther apart, what you need are people who say, heart and soul, I'm not for you and you, I'm for you together. I'm for your marriage. And we're not walking away because it got sticky. We're going to stick with you in your face. And we're going to love you and we're going to support you heart and soul till the very end. I remember a couple years ago at Intuon, we had a number of students who were going here. And uh, they were out in, in Toronto for school. And one of them was really sick. And he needed a possibly life-changing, possibly life-ending surgery. It was tremendously risky, and there was a lot of nervousness going into what was going to happen. And finally, after a lot of prayer together, they decided, let's go for it, let's do it. And he flew to Calgary for this surgery, but they had no money for his wife of just a couple of years to go to. So you know what happened? The people of Into One said, no way that's going to happen. And I told her, go and buy that plane ticket. And I'll personally guarantee that it's going to be paid. And she took me at my word, and she bought the ticket. And then together, we gave enough to Jen to send her on her way for her husband so that she could be there for that surgery. And then we had so much that we had it left over so that we could buy a meal for the family to get together after the surgery so that they could celebrate and they could pray together and they could delight in the fact that God's will was being done through Will and Will's life was changed in that moment. And that, that's the body of Christ. That's heart and soul in. That's when the rest of the world looks on and they say, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. That's community that I want to be a part of. Man, I don't know what they believe and I don't know why they believe that stuff. But I want what they've got. It's that other-centered, Christ-loving group of people that when one is in need, the others are there and they carry them. This is heart and soul. If you don't have the right people in your life, then I promise you, your potential is vastly limited. The missing ingredient for so many people is the right people. That's one reason why we at Into One have been doing the make and take meal prep time. We make food together. We make meals. We put them in our freezers so that we can save time and we can do the prep together. But we also make meals that we can put into the Into One kitchen freezer so that we've got meals that are ready to go for compassionate causes. Ready at a moment's notice. And we have given out more than 60 of those meals. Now we've taken a break from make and take over the summer, so our fridge is completely empty. We've got nothing left, and we have our next make and take next week. Inviting you to lunch, first of all. Come on, we have Sunday lunch on the third Sunday of the month. You're invited for lunch whether you do anything else. That's fine. But we also have a make and take. And the make and take is going to help you have meals, good meals that are ready to go. But it's also going to help us with this mission that we will be ready for compassionate care when it comes up. Let us know if you want to come. We'd love to have you involved in that. You need those right people. You need those people to help you from going in the wrong direction. And I know 
Some of you don't have the strength to make it on your own. And right now, maybe even, you're sinking. You're sinking in debt. You can't keep up. You're falling behind. Spiritually, you're falling flat. You'd like things to be better, but they're just not. Your children, maybe they're going in the wrong direction. And and maybe we could describe you as a cultural Christian at best. You attend when it's not inconvenient. But the connection to God is just not there. You can't keep it up on your own. And you're inches away from crashing. You're inches away from giving in to all kinds of temptation that are going to destroy the life that you have. You need some heart and soul people to come alongside you and say, I'll help you. We'll stand together. Together we'll be sustained. You look at the New Testament, you're going to see this again. Biblical community where they shared the Word of God together. And if anyone had need, they sold something. And they met that need and so that no one lacked anything. And other people looked on at this radical love and they said, why do they do that? I don't understand why they do that. I don't know what they have, but I want me some of that. And that small group connection is the purest form of church. To give yourself that opportunity to drink from that, but also to pour into that well. It will change your life. It will grow your faith. It has all the possibility to bring you into close interaction with God and with his people. One of the most common things we hear about this um, is people would say, it sounds like a nice idea, but I don't have time for that. I don't have time for one more thing in my schedule. My schedule is already full. I don't have time to have the right people in my life. And I'll tell you, as a person... I don't have the time to not have the right people in my life. I have to. I need prayer. I need a place where I'm not Pastor Graham all the time. I can just be Graham for a while. I need a place where I can drop it all and say I'm hurting. I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed. I'm struggling with this issue with my kid. I don't know what to do. Don't you need that also? Because if you have the right people gathered for the right reasons, God shows up and God does the right things. And I'll say when I look at Christian community in North America today, the the most gaping hole I see is the lack of real community, real connection because it's too busy. The church is busy, and I'm busy, and work's busy, and the kids are busy, and the wrong people are speaking the most dominant voice into your life. Practical application, when somebody hurts you, forgive them. You don't say, I'm taking my Bible, and I'm going to another church. Grow your faith. Seriously, Forgive them. Do what Jesus taught us to do. He's a smart guy. He knows what he was doing when he said it. He tells us this is the pathway to God. You tried it before and you didn't like it because there was somebody annoying in the group, right? Of course there was. It's a principle. It's guaranteed every small group must have an annoying person in there. It teaches you to love them. Consider it this way. You are probably the annoying person to somebody else. So in your handout, there was a form. If you didn't get the handout, they're on the back table. 
It's a small group availability thing. We're trying to change the way we do it, and so I've listed out as many different opportunities for time as possible. Obviously, we're not going to be able to meet them all, but I want to see where people are available and to say, we had some people who were Thursday night, but that just didn't work for everyone. So we want to see where works best for you and to try and configure these things in a new way. Would you say that today is your one day? One day, I've had enough. I need to intentionally do something about this and not just hope that things change. One day, I need to do it. Will you take the form and fill it out? Will you mark when your availabilities are and put them in the communication box at the back? If you don't have the sheet with you, again, they're in the back corner over there. We want to find a way to help you connect. We want your faith to grow. We want you to find people that you can connect with. Please, ask, God, is this something that you're prompting me to do right now? Pray with me. Kind Father, I pray that you would give us heart and soul relationships. I know I need them. I know my friends here need them too. Today, may this be the day that I realize that I need to make a change. I recognize that the right relationships aren't just going to happen by accident. I've got to intentionally seek them out. It's going to cost me something, but it's something that I'm willing to pay since I'm paying anyway. God, you've spoken to me and I want to move. I want to be different. I want to be a minister to other people. I want to be blessed by other people. I want to live in biblical community. I want to try it out and see what this thing can be like. I want to trust you more than I do today. And God, I pray because I can't do this on my own, that you would give your people the desire to know you more through others. The hunger to share your word, to do life with others. God, I pray that you would put them in families that you would connect people now. So maybe some of the best relationships they've ever had. Start now. May we be as iron sharpening iron, that we would help each other. We would get better because of each other. And by doing that, we would become more like your son, Jesus. More prepared to make a difference in this world. More prepared to take up the partnership that you have entrusted to us. That the blessing you have given would be a blessing that is to go to all nations not to be kept just for me. God, I thank you in advance for all those who will be picked up and put into a new spiritual family. And God, will you use us together to make a difference in this world beyond what we could do by ourselves? Be at work in us, your church. Continue to speak to us that you might speak through us as we go forward. Thanks, in Jesus' name, amen. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, whom be glory forever and ever, amen. Be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. That's better when you're here. It's better when we're together. And I believe that the more we connect, the better it gets. The more we will see God at work in your life and my life as well. So I want to send you out today and I want to say where, where I go, I will engage. 
Ask for that to be for you as well. Where you go, will you engage?